Let's take a quick break and hear from today's show sponsor. Are you struggling to close deals? Cold outreach can be a slow and brutal process. And in many scenarios, it's just wasting the time of both the buyer and the seller, especially when business owners who are trying to find qualified buyers are using inaccurate and outdated data. But it doesn't have to be this way. With LinkedIn Sales Navigator, your organization can overcome these challenges by leveraging this amazing technology and platform that translates comprehensive, high-quality buyer data into real-time insights and sales. These deeper insights empower sales reps and teams to adopt the habits of top performers, which leads to much better outcomes like building a bigger pipeline with real customers leading to higher win rates and conversions, and of course, larger deals and paydays all around. We call this deep sales, and LinkedIn has built the first deep sales platform with the next generation of LinkedIn Sales Navigator. Right now, our Millionaire Mindcast family has an amazing opportunity to try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com forward slash mindcast. That's linkedin.com forward slash mindcast for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com forward slash mindcast and get started. There have been more and more reports of whistleblowers talking in the past few weeks about Plandemic 2.0. I've already been seeing... I know tons of people that are sick right now, which again, this is just all seasonal and maybe getting a little bit in the weeds here. But we're starting to see airlines start pushing masks again, college campuses starting to push masks again, big retailers starting to talk about pushing masks again. I can't imagine why they would want to do another pandemic. What is your perspective on if this were to materialize and start to pick up some steam, how it would ultimately impact the markets and what opportunities would come as a result of that? What's going on, guys? Welcome into today's show. As always, your host, Mattie, Mr. Brewell, what it do? Howdy, howdy. We cover all things stocks, real estate investing, personal finance to help you on your wealth building journey. You know, we like to sprinkle in a little fun, a little polarizing topics, politics, Positive what's going politics. on in current events, news, pop culture, anything that's good to dig into that might help you bring more awareness and attention to making some more money. Absolutely. We're going to talk about it. That being said, if you're new to the show, don't forget to hit that subscribe button. And if you guys enjoy the show, all we ask, take five seconds, leave a review. And of course, don't forget to take advantage of your free financial x-ray. If you've got an investment portfolio mm -hmm. and you want a second opinion, you want to make sure you're not getting overfeed, you want to make sure that you're actually on a path with a plan that aligns with getting you there when you want to be there by, Ryan and his amazing team build out the most insane comprehensive plan for you that you could even think of. And you could take advantage of that for free by texting the word x-ray to 844-447-1555. And if you're an accredited investor, you want to get on my deals list, look at the syndications, the investment opportunities that I put out exclusively only to my accredited investor network, you can text the word deals to get on that list as well. All right. So lots going on this week. Yes. Well, later this week, but this week, nonetheless. Nonetheless, still some information that I think is worth discussing around the stock market to get your take on. Yep. We've got Mr. Donald Trump 
doing what he does, staying in the spotlight. And what seems to be very interesting on how his indictments are leading to more fundraising and more support from his base and actually more people outside of his base. We'll talk a little bit about that. Been getting some interesting mixed signals about the stock market, S&P 500. Mm-hmm. Are we going on a bull tear? Are we going into a recession? This seems to be the never-ending narrative and story. <laughs> we'll talk a little bit more about that. I've got a great question for you today that I think will bring a lot of value to our listeners that are looking to maybe get into the game and look at how they can buy something quality, even in a time like we find ourselves in right now. So we'll get your thoughts on that. Updates on inflation. Debt continues to be a big topic of conversation. And China. China, China. China. China virus. Um, It seems like there's a lot of discussion around the Chinese economy. Mm -hmm. And is it slowing down? Are they going into a recession? Is what some of the whispers that are coming out of their economy... How does that impact us? What are you hearing there? And of course, we got some more updates on real estate. With that being said, Mr. Trump, his previous indictments have led to raising more money per uh, Financial Times. And there was this graph that basically showed every indictment, the amount of money that's coming in from his base, and then money that's coming in beyond his base, which I thought was very interesting. But it seems like He's going a different route with these, um, what are they, town hall debates. Debates. Because yeah, they're held by the media companies. Correct. Yeah. Which, which is what I love about actually Vivek Ramswamze or however you say. Is it Vivek? Vivek, Vivek. I love, one, that he's young. Two, I love that he's gone, well, and he's a successful entrepreneur. And three, I love that he is... I think somewhat of a case study for younger, new age politicians to follow that don't necessarily have to follow the same path that most politicians have gone down to get eyes and ears to support their cause, right? Yeah. He's been doing podcasting town halls. He's been doing all kinds of different strategies. But Trump is kind of pulling one right out of that playbook as well. He's going, I'm not going to support these media companies. I'm not going to give them any time or energy or any eyeballs because he's really the draw on the pool, the main draw on the pool. And instead, he's going to compete with them. And he's given the attention to Tucker Carlson and X, formerly known as Twitter. On the exact same time, right? At a pre-recorded exact same time release of that recording. And that is to poach a viewership from Fox to financially yep. in the legalist of ways you can. Yep. Because open and fair market. Ex- so I, I, and I, you know what I, I know? There'll be way more viewers on X and that will on Fox. 100%. When the, uh, is it Leeson? I think that's the company that does it. Leeson numbers come out when they show the viewers on Fox versus publicly available to see the views on X. It'd be probably millions versus hundreds of thousands. Yeah. So that'll be interesting. Definitely get your popcorn ready. Always interesting to see what you know Trump has to say. And I'm interested to hear what some of the other candidates have to say and what that ends up looking like and who kind of... Because Vivek or Vivek and um, DeSantis are actually pretty darn close. DeSantis is 
really struggling and feels like in this uh, this campaign right now. I don't think I think his pathway to having a presidency is being a vice president or a speaker of the house first. Yeah. That because people have seen him in Florida, but that's kind of a pretty controlled environment. I think people want to see him in a little bit more of a dangerous area. Um, it's easy to be, well, uh, I will give him a tip of the hat for his first term, right? He, he won, um, the first term. Second was a blowout, right? So he doesn't have a lot to compete against. Yeah. So I think that the GOP and Republican voters don't dislike him, but I don't think they have a lot to go on besides that Florida is currently in a lawsuit with Disney that it looks like they're doing well in. And there's a lot of media attention on them that is spun in a negative way that isn't so negative, but it depends on how it's perceived by the people who hear it. Yeah. So um, I like him. I think he's. I think he's great. I think all the GOP candidates this year have potential to be very good. I think it's going to end up being Donald Trump. I don't think there's any question about that. Yeah. Uh, but who will be his VP? Yeah. I, think, I honestly think that's what the competition is. And the thing is, who would he pick? I don't know what who if you had to right now as of today guess who he would pick. Who do you think he will pick and who do you think is the best pick? I I feel like he would pick Ron DeSantis, okay? Because he feels like he has a thumb on him and he likes to I think that's kind of his personality, but I think he should pick uh Vivek or whatever because that broadens his base of support. It it he is generally seen as attracting more uneducated voters and that could help him attract more educated voters who can maybe hear through the bullshit that he says, kind of like we can and focus more on policy. Yeah. Um, so that, that's what I, 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 what I would say, but I have no idea. I mean, it's still obviously too early and, Trump's a pretty strategic dude, always playing chess. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, he's going to see how things play out. But I think if it were today, I think he would pick Vivek. They actually talk. If you hear certain interviews of both of them, never do they ever talk bad about each other. And if anything, they, they talk praise about each other, which is interesting to me because he's always trash talking anybody he can if he feels like they're a threat to him. And I think he would also be, like you said, the best pick for him because he brings in a whole different base and he brings in a whole different level of polish that I think would be a good balance, completely different than like a Pence who's just a wet paper bag, old school, you know, his gray hair, his you hair know, is insane. versus Vivek's got some swag to him and yeah. he's got some money and some experience and some network and some youth to him as well, which I think would pair well with Trump in that capacity. Billionaire Elon Musk noted that X and Twitter um, are struggling right now. Is that impacting their stock? And he also noted this week that he wants his grand vision is to turn Twitter into a one-stop shop for financial services. Well, they're private now, so probably they're, if there's private stock... Yeah, sorry, private stock, yep. Uh, that could affect the internal private stock value. But the best part about being private is you don't have the whims of shareholders yeah, to go to. So true. as long as you can pay your bills and keep everybody happy, they have a slim staff. 
so they don't need as much money anymore. I noticed this week it said they were hiring again. Um, so that means they have money. Mm-hmm. Um, they may not have as much money as they used to, but they also have one fifth of the staff to pay, which is payroll is a huge drag on businesses. Yeah. One of the biggest as far as a company like like that size. So um, I think X will be a one-stop shop. I think they applied for... What does that mean? One-stop shop for financial services? I didn't understand well, that. Well, SoFi's tried to do it, except they don't have a social media type deal to them. So SoFi did the, hey, you know, first we're your student loan. Now we can also, you know, do checking for you. And oh, we also have CDs. And by the way, you can open an investment account on our platform. And here's a bank savings account now. And oh, you can get your life insurance through our partners. And so they have, all, it's kind of, they did the same thing. Got except it. there's no town hall. Social component to it. Yeah. So what X has is a town hall component. I don't know if you've seen some of the content creators on X posting some of their revenue that they're getting paid out, um, but they're actually getting the ones that are busy are getting thousands of dollars per week mm. um, from ad revenue that they get to share in. And I think once that gets a little more popular, that will also drive the traffic back up on the network for content creators because content creation drives traffic, traffic drives ad spend. You get a portion of the ad spend based on the traffic that you drive to mm. your content. So it's more democratic way of going about um, the revenue shop, yes. So one-stop shop to me is interesting with a social component because I don't know how that would work because I've never seen that happen. I'm not, I don't have the creativeness to come up with that in my mind. Yeah, But I do see the value in it because, oh, hey, you know, um, I, I owe you money and I got to settle up. Okay, great. Let me just jump on next. How do you want me to pay you? Do you want you know, do you want cash? Do you want crypto? Do you want stock? Okay, great. Hold on. Let me just send you. So it's, it's a more forward way of thinking. I'm not sure if that's how it's going to work. Um, but I'm very happy with the platform as it currently sits. And it, I think that it's good to have people on there that you disagree with because that shows that you, you know, you can see people you disagree with and that's healthy. Um, and I, that since the app kind of came out, there's been bad things, there's been good things, but I think the overall is good. They're going to have to take some losses on the front end because they're going to weed through all the um, advertisers yep. that were not, are not down with that. And then people will then come back in who are. And I think it's indicative of that they do have some loops left on the belt because they are. Yep. And, and, and anybody that owns a business that has you know multiple employees or a medium or large business like that, payroll is a huge expense, huge, huge, huge expense. Um, because payroll comes with benefits and then there's certain benefits you have to provide for certain people and then there's retirement and blah, blah, blah. so I, I think that um, I think it's all in all it's just I don't know what it will yeah it's going to be interesting shifting gears to the stock market we continue to hear two different narratives and sides of the coin we got our bulls we got our bears this last week and I'm just going to read two different narratives and give me your thoughts and opinions. The S&P 500 risks a 64% collapse given extreme valuations and unfavorable market internals per John Hussman quoted in Business Insider. The S&P 500 will likely struggle to make more headway after rallying almost 14% so far this year as investors start to question the sustainability of the US's, uh, US economy's resilience. Quoted by Morgan Stanley, Stocks and home prices are poised to drop and the U.S. economy is set to cool. Economist Vincent Dillard 
has said. And then we've got our bulls and some with extreme projections. The S&P 500 could triple to 14,000 by 2034 as secular bull market cycle takes hold. Oh, God, I won't happen. But my God, that is my... That's like my <laughs> fantasy. So... What's going on in the market right now? There's just so many things that continue yeah. to... Honestly, data sets that continue to support both narratives. To me, I was saying to you, it feels like a house of cards where the data says we're strong, we're moving in the right direction. But I feel this uncertainty and uneasiness that something could just knock one of those out. Everything starts to tailspin and come crumbling down. What is your perspective speak some wisdom and reality into this wandering mind over here. So if we, um, if we take a step back, the, I mean, the same people that have been crying bear market were crying it all for the last six months too when the market was up, right? True. So not a lot of validity um, in their statements. The same can be said about the people saying uh, maybe that the market would trip uh, in the next 10 years. That'd be pretty crazy. I think that'd be the best bull market run that we've ever had. Um, but Let's weed through um, some of that and get to maybe some of the nuts and bolts. Um, annually, kind of on a point-to-point look back, the NASDAQ, which has been kind of the leader because technology has been the, the go-to on a year-to-year basis, is up 16%. So was it higher uh, a couple months back? Yeah, about double that. It was, Absolutely. But when markets go up and up and up, something that people tend to forget quite frequently is that they don't just continuously forever go up. They go up and up and up about 76% of the time and they go down and down and down about 24% of the time. And what tends to happen is you have people that choose to set up a plan and choose to build a plan and go with that and then anytime there's volatility, they renege on their plan because they make emotional decisions like we've talked about with their money. They see any sort of loss and they think that that's a negative to their plan. Losses are a reality of investing. They're impossible to avoid. They're necessary to stay invested through. And every successful investor will tell you that. Warren Buffett does not liquidate his portfolio, put it into money market funds, and then wait on the sideline to buy stocks again. It's idiotic. Um what we have to kind of take a step back and look at as a whole is what is the best thing to do in a volatile market? And I would say it's a good time to buy again because we're probably going to pop off of this uh, given where inflation data is at. It has been coming down since February. The market has been doing as a majority of the year better in most months than, than others. And it's still up year to date. All indexes. All of the indexes are up here today. So is there a pullback right now? Yeah, but I would argue that a lot of the stocks and areas of the market were quite overbought, meaning they just kept going up and up and up and up. Eventually, technicians are going to get their heads wrapped around that and they're going to sell and they're put some profit on the side and let the market do what it's going. Um, it's not concerning for me. And it's the reason it's not concerning is because the only thing the market cares about right now is inflation. That's all that's 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 stuck in people's front of their minds right now. And all they want to see is a trajectory that it's it's moderating and it's in control, which is why all Fed futures currently and have been for the past few weeks and keep pushing more and more towards that 
is that they're only going to pause and the only other type of probability that happens between now and March of next year is the higher we get to closer we get to March, the higher the percentage likelihood of them cutting is. I still want them to get some sort of data thing that really spikes down to the cut side before the year end, but they're for sure cutting in quarter beginning of Q2 or end of Q3 next year. It's already in the Fed futures and they're going to try to cut by 1% next year. That's the goal. Then they're going to try to cut by another 1 to 1.5% in the follow. That'll get us back to our 2.5-3% rate on, on our uh, Fed futures rate. It's right around the corner. All bull markets are choppy at the beginning of them. Secular bull markets, which are very long ones like we got in from 2009 through 2019, those, if you look at like 2009, not a rock star year, but 2011, 12, 13, 14, 17, 8, uh, not 18, 17, 19, those are really, really, really spectacular years. Awesome, awesome, awesome rates of return. They're just not always going to be 35% rates of return every year just because the market's up. So the point I'm telling my clients right now, it's a good time to still be investing. If you're taking advantage of a pullback, a moderate correction, and that correction will do exactly what all corrections do, and it'll correct itself, and the market will pop off of that. If you follow me on Twitter at all, last Friday, I said that the market was now way in oversold territory, and we we're likely going to get a small pop in buying on Monday, and we got a small pop on Monday. Most indexes ended down today on Tuesday, minus the NASDAQ with a modest multi-basis gain. But the losses are not steep. You know, If we're going to see this type of Bull market, we'll see seven, eight percent pullback, and then you'll you'll start to see kind of the curtains fall from that point. But I don't really see anything happening here besides a modest correction. In terms of the U.S. bond market, <clears throat> our favorite bear, Mister Schiff, said that the U.S. bond market is on the verge of a major breakdown, and that will send mortgage rates to unseen levels since two thousand and fuel more banking trouble. Are you seeing any signs of some? major cracks in the U.S. bond market right now? Um, is there any validity to that statement? Maybe not as extreme? or I don't think it's as extreme. The bond market's definitely back into territory that's a little more concerning than maybe a couple weeks ago because yields uh, on the front end of the curve can, uh, have been going up, uh, specifically the 10-year and the 5-year. Um, if the 10-year gets to too, too high, you know, four seven four eight. That's where I'm kind of concerned. I think we're in the 4244 range right now. Uh, my guess is it's going to bounce off its ceiling, I think, which is 43 four, three and some peanuts, and it's probably going to pull back down. Um, yields are just very volatile right now. Yeah. Um, and that's because people don't know what's going to happen with interest rates. But I think with the Jackson Hole meeting and Jerome Powell going to give his remarks, I think they're going to indicate that, yes, we're not out of the woods yet. You know, we're going to beat that horse a little bit more. But but, 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 and all the positives are going to, um, I think that'll cool sentiment in the market, give some gains back and, uh, level headed and, and modest or moderately thinking, excuse me, uh, investors will be rewarded for their uh, prudence and sticking to their plans. Is inflation really down at the levels that the data is saying? It's lower. Lower. Yeah. Because I saw a statistic that grocery prices rose in July by the most since early this year. And the costs are 23% higher than they were at the start of the pandemic. This is a Bloomberg report that came out. So again, take every data set with a grain of salt based on who's 
sharing it out, right? But it does still feel like some inflationary prices are pretty sticky in certain areas. But I'm guessing it's in the areas that are not as impactful in the grand scheme of the data set. Yeah, and I think that uh, just like when taxes get raised, um, if you can, if if um, corporations can justify that they've conditioned their consumer to spend more, they'll do that because they have a fiduciary obligation to their shareholders to make them more money. So I do think like egg prices have have gone down, but they're still higher than normal. I think that they're just going to keep charging higher prices for eggs. And that's what they're just going to do because people are more accustomed to that. It would have been an issue for them to raise prices just normally and do that. But they can say, okay, well, we'll really raise prices and then fall back, but still be 30% higher than we were because people are conditioned to pay those higher prices and they think these are cheap. Um, it's just how it kind of works in the market. Shrinkflation is more of the thing that I'm looking at right now where items remain the same price or a higher price, but a smaller volume. Uh, and that's something to, to keep an eye on. And you're seeing them home good products. But not, I'm not necessarily concerned about food prices. They're always going to be volatile. Um, they, that's why they remove a lot of that kind of stuff from the core uh, readings because they, they bounce too much between month to month to be considered like, hey, I, I bet you in November, you know, food prices are going to drop because they're going to sell a lot of it. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that food prices are going down. That's just a, a an anomaly. So I think there's a lot of anomalies in the data sets right now. And nobody knows to, where to pick them at because nobody's been through this type of market cycle. We've been talking about the strength of consumer. And I've kind of been of the camp that eventually this, this crazy consumerism, you know, momentum is going to slow down at some point. This week, Jamie Dimon said that consumers will exhaust their pandemic savings by Christmas. We have seen more kind of data narratives come out around certain areas of spending slowing down a little bit. We've got credit card debt, as we talked about on the last call, you know, over, I think it was a trillion dollars. The percentage of credit card debt flowing into serious delinquency rose from 3.35% in Q2 to 5.08% in the second quarter of 2023. We've got 70 million more credit card accounts open now than in 2019 per the New York Fed. Gen Z had an average credit card debt of about 3,000 in Q4 of 2022 marking a almost 6% jump from the three months through May, which was the biggest increase compared to all other generations. We're seeing student loan debt still be an issue. We've got the US government debt, which has been noted to rise by $5.2 billion every single day for the next decade. Is this just like a recipe for disaster? Or is this just a party that we can keep kicking the can down the road on? Because if the consumerism piece stops and we see these debt snowballs start to roll down the hill a little bit and affordability with certain aspects of homes, food, services, products, whatever it may be, starts to get too far inverted. What, what are your thoughts around that whole narrative right there? 
I just don't think I just don't think it's going to be a problem because the debt's been rising for many years now. And when it started rising, we were making the same amount of growth, steps forward as we were, and we've been servicing that debt since then. As long as debt is serviced, it's not bad debt. That's when debt is not serviced, then it's bad debt. And we always service our debt. So is it an issue? Yeah. But is it something that I think will get handled? I do. I just think, again... Think of it, we didn't send all the money to Ukraine. Yeah, it's $150 billion more on the balance sheet. So, I mean, just like there's little, like there's lots of just spending that doesn't necessarily happen. Um, and if that can get drawn back into line and moderated a little bit more and we're putting money in areas that are effective, like any good bookkeeper or accountant would do, then I think that'll get things back online because we have got the balance sheet slightly going back down but it has to it has to go down at a quicker pace and i think what we have to do is we have to make sure that our trade deficit is not so aggressive that means that we work for a strong dollar but too strong of a us dollar so that our trade partners can can be profitable when they trade with us that creates sympathy in the market so there's just a lot of things out of whack right now and i think it's all going to kind of fix itself with inflation now speaking of rates being cut speaking of trade partners china what is going on with China. And obviously, they have a big impact on our economy and we on theirs. Yeah. Us, Ever, bi- us bigger to theirs. They I, would hurt our economy, but we would crush their... their without us, they couldn't function as... Now, is there more trouble brewing than they want us to know? And we're already yes. getting trickles because Evergrande, which is China's second largest developer, filed for Chapter 15 bankruptcy this week in New York. And U.S. court, which I told you was so weird. Which I still don't necessarily understand I that. No. How a Chinese company is filing why, bankruptcy in New York. Yeah, uh, just but, to show you. They're not, they're not, they're asking a foreign government for assistance, not their own. Chinese asset manager Zhang Zi says it is in a liquidity crisis. The housing market, uh, land sales fell 10% from a year earlier in July after declining 24.3% the previous month, which is the 19th straight month down for their land sales. The GDP was downgraded. Their overall debt to GDP ratio is about 300% and rising. What is going on with China and what does does that mean? They're just going to have to deal. I feel like they're, they're on their way to a little bit of a recession. Um, their economy has been growing faster than our economy has for right. the past couple of years. And it's, I think a lot of it was built on uh, some smoke and mirrors. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're going to have to deal with that. That's ultimately, this is a good representation of why BRICS will never be anything that's serious. Because BRICS is meeting today. Yeah. But the people that are, like China is the most serious player. Well, India probably would be, but again, they're, India is a developing country. Mm-hmm. It is not a developed country. It is a developing country. Um, China can't even manage their own economy. So how how are we going to expect them in Russia, who is in even worse straits, India, who doesn't have a super strong economy, just a large population, a lot of large numbers, um, and South America, who has the probably the worst of the four mentioned. What about the UAE? They're, that oil money is creeping up and they're throwing some weight around with it too. Yeah, but they're they're just so small. 
They're just they're they're politically not influential as much as people think they are. They're monetarily influential, mm-hmm. which has its limits because we have so much more money than than them. They just have a lot of money. Um, and all we would have, I mean, the U.S. is the largest oil producer in the in the world. So all we would have to do to mess with their wealth is we could just untap, and we would. Uh, all the limitations on pumping oil just to crash the price of oil and that would ruin their... So they're, they are very wealthy, but it's based on one thing and really one thing only and it's crude oil. Mm-hmm. So if you affect the price of that whatsoever, which is very easy to do, you just flood the market with supply, uh, they would lose in percentages essentially their value as you saw the value of oil would. Yep. So not super worried about them. I think that they are going to be like a chameleon. Whoever is the strongest or best for them is who they're going to vibe with. Now, in terms of, and this is we're gonna we're gonna go a little little out there, a little conspiracy theorist right now, but it may not be that conspiracy theorist at all. months. We'll find out in maybe a couple of weeks or a couple of months. There have been more and more reports of whistleblowers talking in the past few weeks about a pandemic 2.0. I've already been seeing... Well, one, I, my whole family just had a weird cold, flu, something we were like, man, that felt like COVID-ish, but different. It was weird, but we didn't test positive for COVID. Um, I know tons of people that are sick right now, which again, this is just all seasonal and maybe getting a little bit um, in the weeds here. But we're starting to see airlines start pushing masks again. College campuses starting to push masks again. Big retailers starting to talk about pushing masks again. So I can't imagine why they would want to do another pandemic and why it would make sense to do it, especially before an election year, knowing what party it's going to hurt more than the alternative. But what is your perspective on if this were to materialize and start to pick up some steam, how it would ultimately impact the markets and what opportunities would come as a result of that. And are you hearing any of that or am I just, is this some weird echo chambers that I'm tapping into? I haven't heard that myself. Um, I think that I would fall on the side to say that if they thought that people, again, pushed back last time, there will be more people pushing oh, this you, time. Oh, absolutely. Uh, by, a, by a large number. Um, Unless I'm bleeding from my eyeballs and like turning into a zombie, I don't trust shit that WEF, WHO, CDC, FDA, I mean, all of them have lost every thread of credibility with me that I now I'm looking at other alternative resources, groups, communities that actually through everything that transpired through the pandemic, said what they said, took the stance that they took, and ultimately ended up playing out to be pretty spot on, right? So I think that's the beauty of kind of this democratized world of media that we're moving into is you don't have to rely on, you know, who controls, quote unquote, the narrative, aka the truth. And you can do a little bit more of your own research, which I always encourage people to do. Um, but that being said, there are those kind of talks coming out now. So I was curious 
if there's any whispers in your world and how that might trickle into the stock market, impact things. But it, to me, it doesn't make sense why they would do that when we're trying to get ourselves out of what we've been you know, dug into for the last three years. Are you interested in boosting your income by an extra $50,000 this year? If so, you're going to love what I've got in store for you. I am beyond excited to officially announce an incredible opportunity to join me in my exclusive mastermind, which will include myself and 25 other hand-selected investors who are actively pursuing commercial real estate in 2024 and want to be held accountable to making sure they buy their first or their next commercial real estate investment property that will net them a minimum of $50,000 a year. This mastermind group will not only teach you how to do that, how to find, how to analyze, how to structure and buy these types of commercial real estate investment properties, but you'll also have an opportunity to be a part of an intimate group of high achievers that are going to take your network and your resources to a whole nother level. But here's the catch. Like I mentioned before, this is exclusive. We're only selecting 25 ambitious individuals for our founding members group who are serious and ready to take that next step in their commercial real estate investing journey. So if you are ready to increase your passive income by at least $50,000 in the next year with commercial real estate investing, then this is your moment. These spaces are gonna fill up fast and trust me, this is the one and only time to be a founding member, which comes with some pretty special benefits. So head over to myfirst50k.com and submit your application now. Again, that's myfirst50k.com. You can head over there, check out the program, see everything that it entails, submit your application to join, and I can't wait to connect with you soon. Yeah, I have not heard that. I haven't heard anything about that, but my opinion would be that I do not think it would be as successful um, in forcing people to do things that they didn't want to do as they were last time. Yeah. Um, especially now that people have, I think, all of their freedoms back. I, I don't think that that's going to happen. I don't know, though. Crazier things have happened and weirder things have been said and come true. So I don't know. I, I hope not. My spidey senses have been fucking tingling for the last like six months where all the data that I'm seeing like gives me a, a conscious sigh of relief because what I see is ultimately what a conscious mind would say makes total and complete sense. And yet subconsciously or intuitively deep down in my gut, it just feels like there's something off and brewing that is coming that I cannot put my finger on. I can't point at any specific data set and say that I think that's going to be the reason why X, Y, or Z happens. Something just feels off and I feel uneasy about it. And I don't know if that is just me being paranoid or... Ponytail is picking up signals <laughs> that have not been picked up before. <laughs> no ponytail. It's the man bun. Come man on. Bun. Sorry. Don't be throwing me in that ponytail club. I don't know what to call it. The, paint, the painter's palette. But I think that the next 6 to 12 months are going to be still a very interesting ride. I don't think we're out of this thing yet. And I don't think that I think we, can, we can plant our flag and saying there's going to be a soft and or no landing yet. I think there's going to be a no landing. Oh, my crazy ass said that a few times ago, though. You so. did. Only thing I've been I'm not wrong there yet. so far with my predictions, I thought they were not going to raise one more time than they did. But now... Moving forward, they should pause. Um, I think what's going to be funny now is people are going to be like, why aren't they cutting? 
That's what you're going to start hearing now. Yeah. Why aren't they cutting? And the reason they aren't is they can't. Mm-hmm. They have to wait for the housing market to get back and kind of line. And I think that's why Warren Buffett is making a huge bet on home builders because they're going to get incentivized to finish up those houses, to get inventory back in the market so that they can start lowering interest rates so that it doesn't spike housing prices and shelter costs back up to unbelievable levels. Yeah. Well, with that being said, I'm curious what you guys think. Am I crazy? Is Mr. Breedwell spot on? Is Mr. Breedwell off? And my intuition, my spidey senses are spot on. Shoot us a text, 844-447-1555. We're going to wrap it up with this one. There's a lot of people that are listening that don't necessarily know where to start. And the recommendation for us, right, is always buy something and stay in it for the long haul. So if you were to hold a stock for the rest of the year, and you could only pick one. This is not financial advice, y'all. But this is if Mr. Breedwell had some funds, some dry powder, that based on what analysis and research you do, and your own personal opinion, and you choosing to put your own money into the market, what would be an opportunistic and or safe stock for somebody that's not looking for insane returns in a short period of time, but that you think has some longevity and some growth to it? Probably Apple. Apple. Yeah, because they got a new iPhone coming out and they have a headset, a new VR headset. Uh, Looks like they're retooling the watch too. Correct. So I think that's probably the safest one because it's going to drive sale uh, here in probably the high fall. Um, we do own that for some of our investors and I think that's probably a safe. They've, uh, they've pulled back quite a bit too already. Um, probably the wild one if you wanted to... Gamble. Yeah, if you wanted to get a little, little crazy. Probably Nike. Nike. Yeah. Why? Um... They have a lot of risk uh, with China not doing good. A okay. lot of China. They have a large yep. Chinese uh, consumer base, and um, a lot of younger people buy their uh, clothes and shoes. And those people have student loans. So when the student loans get kicked back on, that's less discretionary income to go towards that. I think those. That's the wild, wild west. I don't own any Nike uh, directly, and I'm planning on it. Um, but that is, you can see there being some upside there. It's either going to make or break. Um, so they're going to, they're either going to continue to do bad or they're going to somehow rebound it. Um, we do have sports starting back up again. So that could be a catalyst, Mm -hmm. uh, football, basketball, baseball. They're all kind of come in succession of each other. Football being the biggest one, probably for Nike. Any dark horses out there that have come onto your radar in the last three to six months that you're not fully on board with yet, but maybe you're paying attention to? Uh, I think I mentioned them a couple of times with Joby, uh, which is the flying car company. Yep. Um, I don't know if they'll be the one, but I've been tracking them for a couple of years and I do own some Joby. Um, oh no, I did. I did own some Joby. My dumbass sold it. Um, because I, that was a speculative thing. Those are things I will buy and sell on. Um, but Joby seems to be pretty interesting and they're finally being talked about more in the public eye and flying cars being a reality. Finally. It's crazy. Um, so those are kind of the three that I would throw out, but I, I, Apple is always a safe play, a little bit of yield technology, largest U S based company. Um, so that's, that's a, and they have a ton of front, ton of cash, ton ton of cash. So, um, they also, they have the niche on the high-end luxury wealthy spenders. Mm-hmm. They, they 
They get you into their uh, ecosystem with the watch, with the phone, with the iMac, with the, with the MacBook, with the yep. car play. So, I mean, they have everything. Yeah. And they're, they're, they just got that tax uh, in U.S. court that they're taking from app developers, which is going to further drive their revenue. So those are the things that I'm seeing in those areas. I know I always don't look as serious. But you know, I got that data. <laughs> you got that data in the bag. Well, we appreciate you guys tuning in today. Again, don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Share this with somebody you think could get some value from it. Mm-hmm. Take 60 seconds, leave a review. Don't forget to check out millionermindcast.com and the store. We're going to be upgrading and updating some cool new stuff in the store for you guys. So stay tuned for that. We'll have more updates there. And again, for all of you who want to get your free portfolio review, financial x-ray from Ryan and his team, text the word x-ray to 844-447-1555. If you're an accredited investor, you want to get on my deals list, text the word deals to 844-447-1555. That being said, we appreciate you guys for tuning in each and every week. Until next episode, keep investing in yourself and your wealth on your March to a million and beyond. Cheers. Cheers, y'all. Well, that wraps up this week's episode of Money Moves. Be sure to tune in next week for more news and updates. And if you got some value from today's show, all we ask is that you take two minutes and leave a review in iTunes, where by doing so, you're going to get entered into win a $100 gift card. Also, don't forget to take advantage of Ryan's free financial x-ray on your investment portfolio. And to do so, all you have to do is text the word x-ray to 844-447-1555. What we have found by offering this out is most people have no idea what they're being charged from a fee perspective, or really in most cases, overcharged, and whether or not their current investment and financial plan is actually aligned with what they're trying to accomplish. And this is something that Ryan and his amazing team do for all of our listeners for free. So be sure to take them up on that. Again, that's x-ray, one word, 844-447-1555. Also, if you're an accredited investor and you're not on my deals list, be sure to text the word deals to 844-447-1555 to be notified of the private investment offerings my team and I put out and last Don't forget to check out all the amazing products and resources that we offer to our Millionaire Mindcast family at MillionaireMindcast.com. Whether that's one-on-one coaching with me, mastermind events, calculators, the Rich Life Planner for those looking to take their goal setting and productivity to the next level, we've got all kinds of great and valuable tools available at MillionaireMindcast.com. With that being said, that's all for this week. Until next week's episode, keep investing in yourself and your wealth on your march to a million and beyond. Cheers, my friends. 